Hello, everyone. This is Amy Starr Redwine, pastor and head of staff at First Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. And we are back with episode two of All I Know Is This. We are talking to members of our pastoral staff here at the church as we prepare for our winter gathering, which is on the theme, All I Know Is This, speaking from the heart about life's big questions. As I talked about in our first episode, we see this as an opportunity to talk about discipleship, and we're trying to uh, demystify or break down this big theological concept, which is so central to our faith, in which we feel ourselves to be called as Christ's disciples. Today, I am really excited to be sitting down with Wilson Kennedy. Wilson has been at the church for uh, almost three years now and has held uh, a couple of different roles, came in to work with the youth, and I'll let him talk more about that. But he is currently our ministry associate for youth and young adults overseeing our youth program and uh, working with our wonderful group of young adults here at the church. But I suspect there are quite a few things that many people in our congregation do not know about Wilson. So I'm hoping that maybe we can spend the first few minutes hearing about some of those. Um, Wilson, tell us about some of the experiences that you had in ministry before you got to First Presbyterian Church and um, Union Presbyterian Seminary, which I know is what brought you to Richmond. Yeah, thanks. Um, I'm happy to be here and to and to be part of the podcast today. The it's interesting. I grew up in Eastern North Carolina and grew up in a church that, in many ways, is pretty similar to this church, uh, First Presbyterian Church uh, in Wilson, North Carolina, where I where I grew up. Um, and grew up in many ways really similarly to a lot of our families here at the church. Church was a big part of our life. I lived across the street from the church, and my joke uh, is that, you know, I think the reason I'm in ministry today is because I could see the steeple of the church outside my bedroom window. (laughs) And in many ways, um, as, you know, as offhand as that may be, it also, I think, is, is pretty true as well, that church was such a big part of my life. Um, I went to Presbyterian College in Clinton, South Carolina, which is not actually a church school. It's affiliated with the Presbyterian Church, but there are any number of majors there, business, history, biology. Um, but I, I was uh, true to form, I guess, got a religion degree from Presbyterian College, and then I uh, worked for 18 months in Shreveport, Louisiana, um, which is 10 miles from the Texas border and a world away from eastern North Carolina, um, where I did youth ministry and outreach ministry. And while I was there, I had the pleasure of founding a church-based nonprofit with several other churches in Shreveport that looked at homeless services and um, how our financial assistance might be best served. So after 18 months... Um, God surprised me in many ways and uh, called me to the beach. <laughs> which, oh, how uh, nice of God to God, call you, you know, to the beach. I know. <laughs> I, if we ever want to have a conversation about, you know, the reality of God, I think that is that might be a big part of my, uh, my understanding of it. But the, uh, so I went to Jacksonville Beach, Florida, uh, to Palms Presbyterian Church, which is a large 
1600 member congregation. And in the meantime, uh, began doing a lot of work with the national denomination. I, I have served since 2014 as a member of the Committee on the Office of the General Assembly, which is the oversight committee for the Office of the General Assembly. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to make sure that you shared with us your work for the denomination because I'm not sure how many people here know about it. Uh, It's a pretty big deal that Wilson is so um, involved in our denominational work. And I have seen that your work with the National Church is something that has benefited us here at First Presbyterian, just sure. in terms of your connections and um, some of the people you know. But I think you also, did you do some work at Myers Park Presbyterian? I did. <laughs> I did. In college, I spent two summers um, as the youth ministry intern at, at Myers Park and worked with Steve Eason, who a lot of us know around here and remember fondly, and also with their um, youth ministry. And that was really foundational for me. Uh, in understanding how do we lead uh, ministries that are first and foremost ministries uh, for youth and their families that are led by youth and their families. Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, the associate pastor for youth at Myers Park, Michelle Thomas Bush, is really kind of my personal guru when it comes to youth ministry, and she um, has transformed their 600-person youth ministry into a ministry that is 100% led by youth. There are tons of adults that support them, but the programming, the leadership in the in the youth and when youth get together, but then also the spiritual uh, co-mentoring and pastoring that happens between these youth are not necessarily done by Michelle and her staff. They're done by these kids, and that's really inspired me to consider what does that look like here at First Presbyterian Church in Richmond. Well, and in so many ways, what I hear in that approach to ministry and youth ministry in particular is really a way of forming disciples. Absolutely. And so I would love to hear from you about what your understanding of discipleship is. Yeah, it's funny you ask on just a few days after we had Youth Sunday, and the lectionary passage for last week really has been one of those passages that I've come back to in many ways, and our kids reflected, I think, pretty beautifully on, on this passage uh, in worship a few days ago. Uh, and it's in John 1, and, and it's uh, Jesus calling the first disciples. And, and I think what's so important about John 1, 35 to 42, I believe, is uh, Jesus changes some of the disciples' names. These people, they were fishermen, they did other things, and Jesus walks up to them, and all Jesus had to say was, come and see. And what the text tells us is that immediately they came and saw. Mm-hmm. It was instantaneous. Yeah. And so that and but what's key in that is Jesus made an invitation. And it wasn't a weighty invitation, you know, we're not gonna change your life. We'd like to. And I think Jesus knew what was going on in many ways, particularly in John. But Jesus made a simple invitation. And because Jesus made an invitation, they these people knew. They just there was something deep inside of them that knew that this was what they had to do. This is, well, the best way to live their life and the way that was going to be the most meaningful and transformative for their lives. And so they, they went and they followed Jesus. And for us in the church today, we have to reclaim that in many ways, that we put so many caveats on things about church, about church culture, religiosity in America, and yet it's as simple, too, as an invitation mm-hmm. to say, just come, just come. The church is there. And I'd love to hear how that invitation has played out in your life. Yeah. 
like I said, I've always grown up around the church, but I had um, a pretty meaningful experience, uh, like many Southern Presbyterians, at Montreat. When I was in high school, uh, the first summer I attended the youth conference, um, my I had both of my grandmothers died four months apart, and and so my parents um, and our whole family were really reeling from this sudden these sudden deaths. Um, and so we went to, or I went to Montreat, and this is. And the, I should just say for anybody who might not know, and it's yes. okay if you don't <laughs> know what Montreat is. Montreat is a Presbyterian camp and conference center in um, the hills of North Carolina, Western North Carolina, mm-hmm. Near outside Asheville. of Asheville, and is kind of a, a special place for many yes. Southern Presbyterians. So I'm sorry. No, that's that's totally fine. And and so we they have a youth conference there that our church has attended for probably 50 years, mm-hmm. um, where they welcome over 6,000 youth throughout the summer to go to Montreat to be in small groups and do recreation and worship and keynotes and all these different things. And and so my church, this is the first time we'd been in several summers. And I um, went in there really kind of questioning, why why is this important? You know, I, I was a freshman, just finished my freshman year in high school, and the whole concept of of life together, even the whole concept of of the of the imminence of God, was really sitting in the balance between this what I've been told in church my whole life that you know Jesus is my friend and that mm-hmm. and that all things are possible in Christ who strengthens me and all these kind of you know wonderfully lovely sayings, but what what is this, what does this mean when the reality of things is that my grandmothers just both died of cancer four months apart, and I'm 15 years old, and this is a whole new thing for me. Um, and so I went to Montreat, and, and with all these things in mind, and this is my first kind of touch with the connectional church, which is a term us Presbyterians love to say to talk about when we hang out with people, other Presbyterians. <laughs> and um, I remember on you know, one of the last nights, Thursday or Friday night, the conference runs from Sunday to Friday. I was sitting on this deck at our the house we had rented, and I just had this incredible sense of peace fall over my 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 body. And our youth pastor just happened to walk out on the uh, on to the porch and asked me what was going on. And she was aware, you know, of all the things that have been going on in my life, of course. And 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 she just asked, How, "How's this week been for you?" And I said, "You know, her her name is Alice." I said, "Alice." This is the first time in my life where I've truly felt like the church was my own. Hmm. And she said, well, say more about that, as pastors are wont to say. <laughs> and she and I said, well, you know, Alice, I've been questioning all these things and wondering about all these, these different concepts that I've been introduced to in my, my life, and, and, and I've never really been able to claim it for my own because life has always seemed to get in the way of church. My own questions and my own thoughts and wonderings have seemed to get in the way of church. And yet this is the first time that church has really been under has really been explained to me or lived out for me, exhibited for me as a space where none of that where all of that is accepted and all of that is welcomed. Mm-hmm. And that I'm able to bring my questions and my doubts and not be judged on whether or not you can quote the Bible or know, you know, the 12 disciples or the 10 commandments or whatever, mm-hmm. that truly church is, is really a place for us to, to be ourselves and to be vulnerable 
And that concept of vulnerability has really stuck with me since that time. And that has been my invitation to discipleship daily, mm-hmm. is how can I make myself more vulnerable mm-hmm. so that I might be able to be a better pastor, but also so that I might be able to be a better you know, person of faith and a member of the, the human family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I hear so much in what you're saying of that invitation, come and see just as you are, not after you've done certain things or once you've learned or memorized or proven yourself, but just come as you are. So um, so I have two more questions for you. And um, one is, share with us a theological concept that you learned in childhood that has remained true for you into your adulthood. Hmm. That's a tough one. I mentioned this a minute ago um, about this understanding of of the closeness of God or how God is imminent or the imminence of God. If we kind of think about it like in in Genesis 2 when God formed things from the dirt, um, we always – I remember we did the rotation model in church growing up, and I remember we had this this one teacher who was a a missionary uh, in a previous – and had retired, and uh, she – brought in a big dirt sandbox, or I guess it would have been a dirt box, <laughs> and, <laughs> and invited us to, and she had hidden things in the dirt and invited us to like find them and was like, this is how God is like in Genesis 2. And and um, and that's really stuck with me mm. uh, because when I look around and I, I see creation or I see you know humanity doing really good stuff, that, that reminds me of the eminence of God. That, that to me has always been a foundational theological concept um, in my life uh, that I've been able to grow the rest of my theological conviction or my theological sy- systems, you know, off of that basic understanding. Mm-hmm. That's great. I hear the incarnation in that too, sort of God Absolutely. in the dirt mm-hmm. of life mm-hmm. with us. Absolutely. Um, yeah. How about a burning question that remains unresolved for you. So I teach confirmation here, um, and one of the many topics we cover, and I always make sure I cover this in confirmation. I've taught confirmation, gosh, almost 10 times now mm-hmm. at different churches. And I always bring this up because not only is it a question, and I've done a lot of reading in this, and and still I'm not satisfied with any particular answer, um, and it's the basic question that we hear, you know, if you think about the life of Christ and when Jesus is put up on that cross to die, um, in one account of the, the, the crucifixion narrative, he yells out and he's quoting Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so that basic question of why do bad things happen to good people, that th- the theological term is theodicy. Why, why does bad, why did my grandmothers die from cancer? Why do people why why do people get in car wrecks? You know, why why do these bad things happen to these otherwise good people? And that question has always vexed me because not only does it force me in many ways to renew an understanding of faith, of trust, and belief of something that isn't tangible, but it's also caused me to reconsider my orientation to the world in many ways. And how how do I live my life? So as to promote this understanding of we don't have all the answers, and that's okay. That vulnerability that I talked about is so important because if we're more vulnerable in our world today, I'm pretty convinced that 
our world might be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and if we are able to truly say, and, I, and this is the best answer I can come up with to this question, is I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that clues me into anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you I don't believe that you know God caused these things to happen. I can yeah. say that with a lot of certainty because we hear that time and time again in Scripture. I will be my God. I will be God and you will be my people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from the Old Testament. And so sometimes saying I don't know to answer the question I'll, or to, to respond to all I know is this, sometimes to say I don't, don't know, know. Yeah. is totally okay. And I think that's the most faithful and honest answer we can give. Well, and it's one of the reasons I'm so grateful for the work you do with the youth here at First Presbyterian, because I think um, in some ways, nobody needs to hear an adult say, I don't know more than (laughs) kids who are on the cusp or in the thick of adolescence and really trying to figure out who they are and what they believe. And I think that is a real gift that you have given Um, to the young people here, both that sense of invitation to come as they are and to be welcome and loved as they are, but also to um, be able to say to them, you don't, you're not here to provide them all the answers, but to walk with them on the journey. So um, thank you for the work that you do. And thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. And I want to encourage everyone to go to fpcrichmond.org slash gathering and register for our winter gathering where we'll all get the chance to dig a little more deeply into uh, this concept of discipleship. And we'll be doing that with our Carson lecturer this year, the Reverend Pam Drizel, who's coming up from Atlanta, and I know she's going to be wonderful. We've had a couple of questions about whether we might get to hear from Pam on our podcast before the winter gathering. And that is the plan. Uh, I'm hoping to interview her soon. So stay tuned for a chance to get to know a little bit more about Pam before she is with us in person. But in the meantime, make sure you register for the gathering. Look forward to seeing you there and seeing you around the church in the meantime.